Wanting to justify himself, the expert in the law said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? In the name of Jesus. You can never forget or ignore why Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. It all has to do with this lawyer, this expert in the law or the Torah of Moses. He's not coming with good intentions. He comes to put Jesus to the test, to tempt him. The lawyer is doing what the very thing Jesus says not to do when he quotes the, the Bible against the devil. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In fact, it's worse than that. The lawyer does what lawyers do. He's got a follow-up question. And he asks it not because he really wants to know who his neighbor was. It wasn't because he wanted to know how to best love his neighbor or how to be the best neighbor he could be. No. Wanting to justify himself the expert in the law said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? You see, it's no innocent question. It has to do with justification. Verse 29, as well as verse 33, are the keys to the whole thing. What does justify mean? It means to be pronounced or declared righteous. It means to be declared innocent of all charges before God. In that sense, you can almost say that justification is the forgiveness of sins. People are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. By his death, Christ made satisfaction for our sins. God counts this faith for righteousness in his sight. To understand Jesus' parable correctly, you can't lose sight of this. The parable has everything to do with the questions that the expert in the law asks Jesus. There are no innocent questions. He's putting Jesus to the test in order to justify himself. But you are not justified, innocent, or forgiven, all synonyms, by yourself, but rather by Jesus alone. It all has to do with what Jesus does for you and not, thank God, what you do for Jesus or for your neighbor. But that's a hard thing to remember and keep in mind. Because old Adam, your flesh, is always trying to justify himself before God. It's hard to remember because our flesh, our body, our mind, our brain, our desires, make it so that we only ever tend to think of old Adam as some kind of party boy, frat boy. 
which means we only ever end up recognizing him when he's, well, living a sinful life. The works of the flesh are evident, Paul says. But old Adam is also very religious in his sin, for he believes the lie of the devil. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So our flesh runs around, dividing good from evil according to our own standards, working, striving according to our own homespun righteousness. Old Adam is often very moral. He might be Cain, or he might be the Pharisee from another of Jesus' parables. He might be hypocritical, like indignant David before Nathan. Maybe he moves on to his own religious observance, like King Saul making his sacrifice. He's the moral leader, the one who's better than others, the Volvo-driving soccer mom. He lives apart from the Lord. He tries to gain life without the Lord's help by means of the works of the law. By doing so, he adds sin on top of sin because works and God's law do not save. Do this and you'll live. He doesn't. That's the whole point. By works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. We are all legal beings at heart. Who's my neighbor? Who indeed? You know who they are. You know the person for whom you are supposed to be a neighbor. And maybe you are, to their face. Always calculating, though, this girl, that guy, isn't my neighbor because they're that way, this way, did this certain thing, wronged me in some way. You see, old Adam, that dwells in you, lives however he wants, and then sets up all sorts of standards and measurements that he can do so that he's forgiven and righteous. Maybe it has nothing to do with the Lord. We do it so often we don't even realize. But there's always that person you know that you're not like. Just like the lawyer that asked Jesus the question, he'd drop dead before being compared to a Samaritan. Notice he didn't even mention him by name. Maybe, on the other hand, we'll use the Lord's gifts to justify ourselves. Quantify, calculate, self-justify. We legalize the Lord's word and his sacraments. Instead of faith being the only thing, for example, that prepares us for the sacrament, which is what the small catechism clearly teaches from God's word, 
we parade vague, often self-defined preparation or disposition on ourselves or others. Another old Adam trick is to say, I believe the confession of sins, uh, but he really doesn't. Because if he did, it might mean he needs the Lord's Supper more. But it's poison to him, eternal life to your new man in Christ. And if all else fails, he'll just say that he's better than others by his own doing of the receiving of the supper. But good works do not make a righteousness worthy to please God and worthy of eternal life. If they did, it would transfer Christ's glory to our works. It would mean that we would please God because of our works and not because of Christ. But this would rob Christ of the glory of being your mediator, your savior. He is your mediator forever and not merely at the beginning of justification. For you're only ever justified by faith in Christ alone. Against old Adam, his sins and his works, stands Christ. To sinners, Christ says, you're guilty. To sinners who parade their works before him to prove not, he says, do. That's all he says. Do this and you'll live. Go and do likewise. The law says, do this. It's never done. The law doesn't give life. That's what the stand-ins for the law in Jesus' parable show. What sort of help did the priests and the Levite give to that man who was in need of healing, in need of life? They didn't give any help. So also, your works. Old Adam thinks someone has faith or is saved because of the things they've done, even though they absent themselves from Jesus, his word and gifts. Paul says, if righteousness were through the law then Christ died for nothing. Or as he says today in our epistle reading, if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. In our flesh, we are all legal beings at heart, seeking to justify ourselves. But in our new man, in Christ, by faith, we are justified. It's all a matter of what he does for us. He justifies us. Yes, the law says, do this. It's never done. Faith says, believe in him, in Christ, and everything is already done because against your sins stands 
Jesus's blood and cross. Against your supposed good works stands his true good works in your place, credited to your account, received by faith alone. There is no alternative. It's either by works or by faith. If it's faith and works, your works end up becoming more important than Christ. Always a yes, but. But we hold that one is justified by faith apart from, without works of the law, Paul says. The Lord's words and gifts to such a destitute, dying, dead sinner is completely free gift. You haven't, and you can never earn them or deserve them. He gives them because, exactly because you can't, because you are unworthy and in desperate need. Just like that Samaritan in the parable with the oil and wine, freely bestowed upon that man because of his need. So also with the Lord's Supper, for example, you can trust Jesus' judgment about your need, trust his gift, trust his word, his blood shed for you, not only at Calvary, but placed into your mouth at communion for the forgiveness of all your sins. Today's text is all about these things because Jesus told this parable to a lawyer who was trying to justify himself. But good Samaritan Jesus justifies you, and thank God, not you. Yes, old Adam always tries to justify himself. We're always trying that. We've got an old Adam, and we'll use any means necessary. But you're only ever justified by faith in Christ alone. It's only trusting Jesus that justifies you because good, it's good Samaritan Jesus that justifies you. And thank God, not you. And where does he do his justifying, his declaring righteous, his forgiving sin? Each and every time he gives his word and gifts. Baptism, absolution, the Lord's Supper. No piling of your works allowed. And correct answers about baptism or communion? Well, they don't count either. Even demons know those things better than you. Unbelievers can recite them. But to trust them, to have confidence in them and their benefit for you, only because of what Jesus says, that's faith. Faith that good Samaritan Jesus justifies you, and thank God, not you, even at communion. For as Paul says, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. In the name of Jesus.